following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. question do I have any uh, do I have any basketball fans in the house this morning okay is that a yes uh, uh, just by a show of hands no uh, just by a show of hands who are basketball fans in the house this morning oh wow all right that's right I like this so being in the state of North Carolina I would assume everyone that raised their hand are Tar Heel fans correct yeah woo bam I like that uh, that was good I took that as a yes, and uh, uh, remember the state you live in. Yes, uh, so uh, let me uh, let me share something with you uh, that uh, puzzles me. It blows my mind every time I watch them play or my Tar Heels. Is that uh, please let us play a top five team so we can win? All right, because if we play no name, UBA or Bethany or Bethel or Beth something. You don't even know who they are. You know, they beat us. And I know it blows my mind. But then you see them whoop that butt last night, holla back. Anyway, uh, nice little pitch from my Tar Heel fans, yes. Uh, which was a good game. But what I don't understand is this. Why do they play? Why, why do they show up when it's time to play somebody that's imported, if you will? And when it's time to just play, you know, no-name team, they don't show up. Blows my mind. But when I'm thinking about my Tar Heels, I think about my life, your life, how we're represented, the things, how we operate. When we get excited and geared up for certain things, like who's, who's excited about Christmas? <laughs> I'm going to stop asking y'all questions. Good night. Y'all kill me. Who, who's excited about Christmas? Yeah. Uh, Pastor Scott said at first service, but he didn't say it second. That in here, but Pastor Scott's birthday is this week. Who's excited about Pastor Scott's birthday this week? I don't think he's in here, but that's all right. I'm glad he's not in here because that wouldn't have been very good. We get excited about things in our life. Well, where we're starting school, I know some of you folks love that. No, okay, or a new job, or maybe not that, but or maybe just getting up, going to work. Uh, maybe whatever excites you in life, we geared up for it. But then there's these times like when we don't prepare. What it looks like a lot of times when Carolina plays somebody that's not a ranked team, they come out flat and they get their butts whooped. And they play to their opponent's ability. But in life, that's a lot how we operate. That whenever things are going good right up here, man, things are good. Amen, church? God is good. But then when that curveball gets thrown to us and somehow life takes us on this roller coaster, right? Would you agree to that just by shade of hands? Life is like a roller coaster, right? Anybody like care wins in the house? Two people. Okay. For you two people, man, Thunder Road is where it's at. Thunder Road is just up and down. And it's wooden. It's like one of the last wooden roller coasters and it will beat you to death, right? Boom. I mean, even for it to be straight, you're like, how is this so rough? Anyway, it is. But that's what I wonder about life. Life is up and down, but, man, does it not beat you up? It beats us up, doesn't it? 
just the highs and lows. So this morning what I want to talk about, we're in this identity series. We're third weekend. Last two weeks have been phenomenal messages by Pastor Scott and Pastor Brent. And we're going to continue next week. And I'm going to tell you this. Next Sunday is Christmas Sunday, 22nd. You want to bring somebody because let me tell you something. You're not going to want to miss next week's message. Pastor Scott's going to be bringing it. It's going to be unbelievable. You don't want to miss it. You hear me, church? Means bring somebody. But anyway, so in this life that there's ups and downs, uh, and when we find and when we're trying to wrestle with our identity, who this Jesus really is for us, yes, I've maybe at some point in time raised my hand in the service and and accepted this Jesus, or maybe in a, pre- a previous church you have walked an aisle and you pray with somebody and you felt something in your being that something might have changed, right? But somehow when, like, when we leave those doors, like, we, we make the statement, it just, maybe you're with me here, it just doesn't feel the same. It just, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, been a Christ follower for a long time, and you're like, it just doesn't feel the same whenever, like, I met Jesus. So this morning I want to ask a question, Why? Because in your identity, finding who you really are in Jesus, I think it's the roller coaster. It's the highs and lows. And it's whether you take your faith with you. Like, if you're up here and you're like, man, God is good, and man, we're winning the world to Jesus. Your whole neighborhood's becoming, coming to church with you, and unbelievable things happen. But then that curveball happens, and you're like, did, did you leave your faith behind? Because... Because we're emotional beings and we're filled with feelings, did did you really have an encounter with Jesus? I'm not questioning that, but I'm questioning is this. Did you put your faith in your feeling because it felt right and it felt good? Or did you put your faith in who Jesus is? There is a difference, folks. The Apostle John writes in 1 John, 5.4 says, this is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Our faith is what has the ability to conquer the world. Jesus in us. Do you realize that? Jesus died, and he gives us the right to accept him. He comes in us and lives in us and through us. And if you miss that part, you're probably going to miss the rest of it. He comes in us, and he lives through us. That's who Jesus is. Is and then you're finding your identity. Like you're wrestling your man, your mind. As Pastor Scott spoke several weeks ago about performance. Am I performing well enough? Because if we're all going to be honest with ourselves, as this church, there's a scoreboard in our brain. Like when we're on a high, man, I'm winning. Like I've done enough good things in my mind. The scoreboard shows me winning. But like whenever life takes that turn and we're in the valley, we're if I had to be real with this, is where most people fin- spend their life, right? Most times not on the mountaintop. It's in the valley. And we look at the scoreboard then, it looks like we're losing. Well, you probably are losing if you lost your faith along the way. So I want to show this morning, what does it look like when the highs in life and the lows in life, and you still have your faith intact? Hebrews 11.1 states this, what is faith? Faith is 
confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confident in what we hope for. Jesus, none of you have met him physically. Don't think. That's our hope. That's our faith. We put our faith in Jesus. And then there's another thing like believe. Like, I believe, like, when I sit down on this speaker, it's going to hold me, I hope. It's, that my, my belief is that this is going to not fail. I'm going to be able to say But when you get on an airplane and that cockpit door shut, right, and you don't see the pilots, and you sit in your seat, and that thing starts moving, you're like, Dude, I really hope <laughs> there's somebody up there flying this plane. You didn't see them. Your hope is that there is somebody up there flying the plane, and you take off, and you land. You put faith in somebody you don't even know. That was pretty easy, wasn't it? Just get on and do it. It's, it's second nature. That's what faith becomes. So the question you might ask was, well, then do I need more faith? Do I need more faith in this life? Because faith destroys our sinful urges. Faith can crush our frustrations. It might wipe away our aches, our pains. Why? Faith. Would it ease our tensions in life? Would it make my financial woes go away? Anybody would be in that boat? I just <laughs> I will take more faith if it makes my financial woes go away. Amen? Uh, okay. Rich folks in the house. I don't know, man. Where's the offering place at? We'll take them again. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. And so we become convinced that we need more faith. But what happens when that faith we ask for more, it becomes a wavering faith. And so you start judging yourselves amongst folks in your church. Well, if I could just have faith like him or her, if I could just live up to what they're doing. Because you know what you just did there? You started comparing your faith, which is based on feelings and not Jesus. You start comparing. The church, historically, is really good at that. So this morning, I want us to enter into a passage. It comes out of uh, John 20. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. If you have your phones, click there. Do what you do to get there. It should be on the screen. Uh, and we're going to talk through a passage this morning that is going to help us, I believe, when we wrestle with our faith and the difference between our faith and our feeling and when, how do we sustain this life, the ups and downs. So if you got your scripture, we're going to jump right in here. John 20. We're going to, our passage is going to come out at 24, but I'm going to do a little uh, pre-reading here, just a couple verses, so you can just uh, hang tight at starting 19. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed. They were overjoyed when they... Saw the Lord. What you got to understand here is this. This is post-resurrection. So Jesus had his 12 disciples that were following him. He called for three years they did ministry. This man that they followed died a common man's death, hung on a cross. 
and he was buried, and three days later he rose from the grave. This is in the resurrection. He just had revealed himself to, to a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene, and then he just delivered, I mean, just revealed himself to the disciples. So that's where we're at, right in the resurrection. That's what this is, uh, that's what we're talking about. So it picks up in 21, it says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, because why? Would you be freaked out? If you just saw the man crucified, killed like a common criminal, hands, pierced hands, sword in the side, dead and buried, would you be freaked out if he showed him showed up three days later? So <laughs> I think it's neat that that John writes twice within three verses, he says. Peace be with you. Because <laughs> he knew they needed peace at this point in time. Yeah, they were overjoyed. What were they overjoyed about? That they had Jesus with them? Again, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Here we go, 24 says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. If you just read that scripture right there and glaze through it, you would understand why they say, get ready to say, Who is Thomas? What is Tom, what's his name? What goes with Thomas's name? Doubting Thomas. See, you don't have to be around much to know that he is considered doubting Thomas. But here it says this. So the other disciples told him, Thomas wasn't with them. Jesus revealed himself to the ten. Thomas was off having his pity party. He was emceeing his own party because he was an emotional dude, and that's how he did it. But he says, unless I see the nail marks in the hand, and put the finger where the nails were and put my hand in the side in his side, I will not believe. So follow me, church. Here we go. 26 says this. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, What did he say? Peace be with you. They needed it again, didn't they? Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We know a little bit about Thomas. We understand Thomas, when he was called, he was a fisherman. That he was the seventh one to be called. It is known that Thomas probably associated with the majority of the disciples that were called. So he was friends. But something we don't know by just reading, unless you do some study here, is that Thomas was the guy in the room that's going to ask the hard question. That needs a little more 
to the answer. He's not your typical, what we would call day and time, a yes man. He's not a yes man. He's not going to say, yeah, I vote for that. He's going to ask the tough question. He was an emotional dude. But I want to debunk something this morning. Maybe Thomas wasn't always wrapped him up to be. Maybe Thomas wasn't the only one that should have the label to him doubting Thomas. Because you've got to think about this. What Thomas did wrong initially was this. In Hebrews, it tell, it, it, the Scripture specifically told him that they needed to stay together and pray. So what did Thomas do? He did not stay with them, right? He left on his own. Because in that time is when Jesus revealed himself to him. So Thomas was somewhat of a loner. He liked to do his own thing. But not only that, if you, if you look early in John, Thomas really loved Jesus. There was a time that Thomas told the, uh, rallied the other disciples and said, we need to die for this guy. Do you, do you understand who he is? Do you understand who this Jesus is? This is Thomas talking to the other disciples. Do you understand who Jesus is? We need to, we need to put our necks on the line for this guy. He's that important. That's who this Thomas guy really was. Did he doubt? Jesus said there, stop doubting, Thomas. So you got to believe that there was some doubt in him. One thing is pretty for certain that other than Judas that killed himself, there's not been one other disciple more criticized than Thomas. So what, is, what does all this mean? See, Thomas just liked to ask the hard question. That, that He was prone to hard answers. But I want to look at the Scripture as this. So Thomas, this man that really loved Jesus, what did he just go through, guys? The man that changed his life for three years. The man that called him to follow him. The man that he saw perform miracles after miracle, saw him feed 5,000 upon 10,000 of people with very little. Saw dead people come back to life. Thomas, that's who he was following. And Jesus, what did he talk a lot about? Building his kingdom. See, these guys thought this mother was going to be a king and they were on the inside track. They were going to be like, Dude, when we build the castle, I'm going to have like a hot tub over here. And, you know, because they were the 12, they were on the inner circle. They were, I want to be on the inside, don't y'all? I mean, y'all don't want to be on the inside? I want to be on the inside. Like if I got a chance to get a jacuzzi, I'm getting a jacuzzi. And a, and a room where they just make fritters, you know what I'm saying? And, and beef jerky. I mean, that's, hey, Jesus, hook me up with this room over here, you know, me and you'll be good. And, and but, but. But Thomas, that's what he heard, that this king, he was building his kingdom. But do you understand? Hear me, hear me, guys. Do you understand what Thomas's beef was? The man that he had invested his time in, in which Jesus invested his time in, died. He was dead. He was dead. Jesus was dead. He didn't understand it. And so whenever we fast forward to Andrew and disciples coming to Thomas, 
Hear this. What would it have been like? What would it have been like whenever those disciples went out to find Thomas? They went after him to find him. What did they say? Hey, Thomas. Hey, Jesus is alive. Because what Scripture says, it says, uh, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And you probably read that. It's like, oh, they, they said they've seen the Lord, huh? Mm. Uh, good, huh? Wow, you've seen the Lord, huh? I cannot believe it had to be like that. The disciples just had this encounter with Jesus, and they went to tell Thomas, what would it have been like? I mean, they might have been like this right here. Thomas! I don't know where you're at, but come out here. We got some unbelievable news. Come, Thomas. Do you think it would have been like that, guys? No, I'm serious. Do you think it would have been like that? I mean, this was, this was their hope for the future. This is the man that had called them to come and to eventually die for this cause. But this Jesus died, and he left them with nothing. But the disciples had the greatest gift of any Christmas prayer we give. He said, he's alive. Thomas, he's alive. Thomas, he's alive. Because the Greek right here says, this word told, it says whenever the disciples told, the Greek tense here for the word told means that the disciples kept telling him, kept repeating. That's what that means, told. He said they told him and repeatedly to tell him that Jesus, man, we saw him. He's alive. Would that be enough for you after you've seen him crucified? Doubting church? Crucified? Dead and buried? Hadn't seen hide and hair of him? You think it would have been like this? Let's put our feet in Thomas's shoes for just a moment. And this is it. Andrew. This is Thomas talking. Andrew. Hey, man. Man, you have been friends for a long time. Hey, dude, I care about you. But I want you to listen to me. Jesus is dead. Hear Thomas saying these words to the guys that were unbelievably excited over because they had what? They had received the Holy Spirit. He left them the Holy Spirit. He, he just breathed on them the Holy Spirit. That's what these guys, and this is Thomas's reaction to, to Andrew and the disciples. He's dead, man. Dude, he's dead. Do you not hear me? He's dead. It's over. It's all over. All my dreams of my jacuzzi. All my dreams are over. They're dead, just like Jesus. He's dead. Listen, man, you can say you've seen him. Sure, you've seen him. He and Elvis are probably working at Burger King together. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah he's, he's fine. You can say that. And that woman, I don't care what that woman says. She's emotional anyway. Whatever. I thought I knew you better than this, Andrew. Jesus is the only person who has ever picked me to do anything. I miss him. And when he died, a part of my soul died. Just leave me alone. What do you, would that change anything in your mind? If you thought about the interchange from Thomas to Andrew about his doubting? He loved this man. He was willing to, to die for him. 
Man, when our faith is high, guys, on the high times of life, it's easy. But man, when it's low, where do we we're in the swing, where do we lose our faith at? Because if you put your faith in your feeling, I can promise you you will be disappointed every time. If you put your faith in your spouse, you will be disappointed every time. If you put your faith in your children, you will be disappointed every time. But there's something about when you put your full faith in Jesus and who he is and you find your identity in him, something changes. When you're high, it's still high. When you're low, you may be sad, but that joy that we've talked about so much, that joy wells up inside of you, makes the low not so low. I'm going to finish this way. I love this. 26. It says, a week later, uh, his disciples were in the house again. And guess who was with them? Thomas. Thomas was with them. So he was with the disciples. And so they're back in the house. And I don't know what that eight-day occurrence from whenever this happened with Andrew and the disciples with Thomas and telling about Jesus. And eight days later, whenever Thomas was with the disciples, I don't know what happened between that. But I guess he got off his pity party and he stopped him seeing his own, you know, own demise. And his soapbox, I guess he got off of it and went back. But you got to understand the difference here, guys, is that those ten disciples right at that point in time, had the Holy Spirit living in them because Jesus gave it to them. Thomas was tooling around with a bunch of spirit-filled individuals for eight days. We're not sure how long, but it said that they were together in the house and hear this. This is the greatest. Don't lose me here. Don't let me lose you here. Though the doors were locked, that means they were still scared. After having Jesus, they were still fearing for their lives. Jesus came and stood among them and said for the fourth time peace (laughs) be with you then he said to Thomas Thomas put your finger in the holes Thomas put your fingers here see my hands reach out your hand and put it in my side Thomas stopped doubting and believe. Jesus has a way of restoring us, guys. Gently. We as a world are poor at it. When somebody's down in the dust, we, we, don't, we don't restore very good as a people group. But boy, I'm glad Jesus restores. Amen. And gently. <laughs> That's pretty intense, that interchange. What did Thomas think at that point in time? Stop doubting. See, I think we sometimes, got is this. We make doubt a sin. And I'm going to step out on the line here. I'm not saying what's sin or what's not. But let me tell you what doubt is. The actual word in the Greek, doubt, means to waver. That's what doubt means. It means to waver. It didn't mean that you're that you've lost your faith. It means 
that is very weak. It's not absent. That's what the very word means. It's not absent, but it's weak. Listen, I, I wrestle with this. Can I be honest with you? I wrestle with doubt a lot. I don't know if you, maybe I'm the only one in the room that deals with this, but I, I, I wrestle with doubt a lot. God, are you sure you, you want to use me? I'm not even sure I deserve you, Jesus. I, I doubt at times. I don't know if you do. But what I want to encourage you today is don't let your doubt define you. You hear me, church? Don't let your doubt define you because if you stay in the, in the position of doubt too long, it will turn to unbelief. I think that's the reason disciples hurried along to Thomas. Because they knew Thomas. They knew Thomas was here, and they knew he was here. He was up and down. Hey, Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. Not only don't let your doubt define you, don't let the mountaintop define you either. When you experience something here, don't let that define you. Let that be a calling, whatever God meets you on the mountain. But you got to take that to the valley. Do you understand that? But you got to take that faith with you. Because if you're putting your faith in your feeling, you will fail. I promise you. But if you put your faith in the name and the person and you find your identity in Jesus you will be able to stay this next day and this is how we're going to close here hear this man Thomas dude we could call you a doubting Thomas all day long but he blew it out the water here guys listen what happened Thomas said, my Lord and my God. See, Thomas first said, my Lord, which in the Greek means kairos or kairos. And that word means this here. It means I will surrender to you completely, Jesus, my Lord and my God. The one who I have doubted. The one I thought my, your kingdom was going to be on earth. But it's in heaven. My God. I surrender completely. You are the Lord of my life. You are the leader of my heart. Do you hear that? Do you hear the change of Thomas from here? And this was coming out of the low. This is the victory out of the low, guys. And then he says something that is incredible for a good Jewish boy to say he called Jesus Theos he called Jesus God Thomas who we call the doubter because y'all all said it maybe understood the resurrection better than anyone because he doubted it and he had to see it for himself. See, so he understood the resurrection then. Jesus is not dead, Andrew. 
Jesus is alive. Did you, did you hear me, church? How that can change in one weak instance. Jesus is dead and I died with him. A piece of me, man, I don't, just get out of my face, man. He is my Lord. The one I surrender to, I give completely my heart of all hearts to. And he is my God. Don't miss this. At this time in culture, I don't want you to miss this. He assigned Jesus two Old Testament names. Lord and God, which both were punishable by death. By him saying those two words. My Lord, my God. We can operate all day long here, guys, can't we? God is good all the time. We can operate here, but it's how we operate when we're in the low of lows. Thomas went for it. He went for it, didn't he? He didn't let his doubt dictate or define him. He didn't let the mountaintop define him. You know what he let define him? Jesus defined Thomas. He went for it, guys. If you fast forward 50 years, guess what happened? Tradition tells us that Thomas is the one that took the gospel to Babylon, to Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. He took the gospel to the Middle East. Thomas, doubting Thomas. He went for it, guys. So my question to you today, church, what do you need to go for? Go for it. Doubt no longer and believe. I am Jesus. I am. I am. I don't care what the scoreboard says in your brain that you're winning or losing. Erase the scoreboard because Jesus has won. And he says, go for it, church. Go for it. Father God. God, you know us because you made us. God, there is no one better than you. God, I'm sure in a crowd this size, there are folks that are dealing or wrestling with doubt. Father, do not let that doubt define them. Jesus, will you define them? God, as we search to find our identity in you. God, may we not have to worry about how good we perform or how selfish we are. God, in the high of highs in life, God, we give you honor and praise, but in the lows of low, we take our faith with us. You go before us. You lead the way even in the roller coaster of life, God. Direct us. And God, may we go for it. May we be like Thomas. May we believe. 
And may our life represent something greater than ourselves. God, Thomas died a martyr's death. God, help someone in the house today to go with, to go for what you're calling them to do. May there be ones in the house that say, I have doubted, but today I say, my Lord, in which I surrender to, and my God, which is above all. Today would be a day of staking claim to a new life, to new identity, that I will not believe the lie And I allow Jesus to define who I am in Jesus' name.